0: Everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. Today's episode is so interesting. I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go. And, of course, it was a winding, meandering way through many coming-out stories, which is kind of the best. So imagine if you had a partner who was your life partner and you didn't live with them. You didn't have sex with them. And yet you were like deeply con- connected and committed to them. You get to understand a little bit more of what that might look like in today's episode. I don't think there's any huge trigger warnings in this one, sadly, because there's not really any talk of religion in this one, which it's so crazy to me that whenever there's talk of religion in coming out stories, that's when the trigger warnings have to be given. There's so much pain that comes with that. But today's is a really cool exploration of many different ways of being in the world and ways of being more yourself. So I hope you learn something about yourself and some way that you might want to be more yourself in listening to today's episode. Esther Lemons, it's so wonderful to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, Nancy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm curious how where we're going to go with this. So I'm I'm excited for you to share with us the nature of your coming out story.
1: Well, there are several actually, and it's kind of a journey. It's kind of, yeah, it's always an in progress thing, isn't it? So, um, I think the first coming out story is being pansexual I guess yeah I would start with that
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when did you discover that for yourself
1: well basically when I met my transgender partner and that's about nine years ago now when we were at this um, it was a work project that had like a launch night just to get to know everyone night And I remember seeing them and thinking to myself, oh, I wonder if this person is a man or a woman. And interestingly, obviously, I had not heard the term non-binary at the time. So now I would be asking a very different question, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time, that's what I wondered. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of that question kind of hung in the air. And then I saw them later on as people had left and stuff and the place was a bit emptier. I saw them chatting to a friend of mine and I saw, you know, boobs, I thought, okay, woman. And then I got a bit closer and I heard them speaking and I thought, hang on, that's not ordinary woman. Yeah, quite a deep voice and everything. And um, yeah, I was just quite intrigued really. But that aside, we just got chatting and we hit it off and um, decided to just go out for a drink, got to know each other. It was not not like a date or anything. I was seeing someone at the time. uh, So that was not the idea behind it, but just like a, you know, friendly thing. And, um, well, th- things just kind of developed really. I developed feelings for them and that was, that was that.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Had you primarily dated men before that?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I have occasionally been attracted to women, but it's not as common as being attracted to guys. I've lived mm-hmm. a fairly, I guess, head normative <laughs> lifestyle for a mm-hmm. good while, bit of a serial monogamist, I guess I was as well. Um, Until when was it? 2006 or so. I did end up being in a thruple, so that was something completely different, Mm. which was interesting, very complicated, and I was obviously very clueless, as were all of us. But it was a good experience, and yeah, that that was it with regards to one of those was a man, one of those was a woman. So that was the first woman I'd really dated, and yeah, and that was it. But then meeting my trans partner at first I thought, um, I guess I'm bi, you know, because I'm attracted to both, you know, to sexes, genders, whatever. Um, And yeah, my my partner introduced me to the term pansexual. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting one, because I felt like bisexual, it just didn't feel quite right, or like not complete enough. So to me, pansexual feels just more inclusive, you know, so I like, I like it. Mm -hmm. So I use it.
0: Yeah. For those who aren't, familiar like what are the subtleties of the differences of bi and pan
1: oh that's a good one yeah so bi officially bi is two so to be attracted to two genders sexes again i don't know it's a bit Mm -hmm. of a blurry one isn't it so um yeah i think being bisexual can be considered quite a binary thing although i also have friends who are bi that are inclusive of like any and all genders Uh, but basically bisexual means being attracted to men and women and pansexual being attracted to people, no matter what their gender is. So any and all genders, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Did it surprise you like how dating a trans person wasn't like a big thing for you, like that you just all of a sudden were falling for this person that you couldn't quite categorize?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I was not expecting the attraction because for one i wasn't looking for anything at the time because i was seeing someone else and also more recently i contributed to an article about being pansexual and when i was writing some text for that it actually occurred to me that it was not something i discovered about myself but more like something that gave language to someone i've always been because i've always mm-hmm. considered myself an open-minded person in in lots of things lots of ways so yeah, I guess it's it's kind of similar to how a lot of people I talk to speak about gender when they come across the term, you know, trans or non-binary or any other labels. And they're like, yes, that's exactly it. And it's not like, oh, I've discovered this is, this is what I am. But it's like that just gives language mm. to who I've always known I've been, you know, mm-hmm. in that kind of way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Almost like there's a freedom in falling in love with someone who yeah it embodies all these different things that you you love all of
1: yeah exactly yeah and I have used the term um being the best of both worlds although I've also had a conversation with someone recently in a podcast who doesn't like that terminology as such but um yeah at the time I really felt like they just had this insight about I don't know a very unique insight I suppose into sort of masculine and feminine and sort of blurring the lines and all that kind of stuff yeah i found it fascinating i've since met a lot of more a lot more people um you know gender non-conforming people and a lot of them i call friends especially locally and uh, yeah it's just been eye-opening really really Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm.
0: that's awesome what other coming out stories come to mind then
1: well, the most recent one, I guess, is um, I really like the term solo poly or soli pol- solo polyam, and I, I've again, I think it's one of those things that I've always been. I think polyamorous, um, but it's a fairly new thing that I'm exploring because I don't know. It's just one of those things. I mean, my my partner came out as asexual. Uh, some years ago they've had um, surgery I've gone through their, you know we've we've gone through this gender journey kind of I've gone mm-hmm. along with them through that obviously they're they the ones that have gone through that let me put that out there right. But um, yeah I've kind of been there uh, mm-hmm. you know observing and um, yeah and I felt like the whole cishet normative thing has never really worked for me to be honest I've I think I've always tried to fit into that thing because that's kind of what is expected I suppose and I for a lot of years especially when I was younger I didn't know any better Um, but I've always also been reluctant about it like I've never gotten married I never wanted kids so there's always been this sort of awkward looking on what other people are doing and thinking I'm really not sure about this you know (laughs) and I'm really not sure it is for me so um, yeah for me it means like I'm kind of very independent. So that's where the solo part of the polyamory comes in. So I'm very independent. I like living on my own, having my own space. And yeah, and I feel like I just want the freedom to connect to people and love people in any way possible, you know, like without restrictions Hmm. or inhibitions. Yeah, that's kind of what that means to me. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So that means you live on your own right now, is that I do, correct? Yeah, yeah. I did live
1: with my partner for a while, but that was not ideal. We've got very different ideas of how to live, basically, because yeah. I'm I'm quite minimalist, whereas they're quite the opposite. Um, and yeah, so that was difficult. It wasn't the difficulty wasn't between us two as in a, in the relationship. That was fine, and we got on well, and we got on quite easily alongside each other in that way. But the, being in a place that was more cluttered, you know, for me, like energetically, just wasn't mm-hmm. really good for me. Mm-hmm. So I was the one that said like I lived there. I lived with them for two years, and I, I'm the one that eventually said, "Look, I need my own space." And they weren't sure about that at first, but now, well, that's a that's a good few years ago now, actually. So um, I've had this place for about six years, I think. I did have a flatmate at first, like a lodger but they moved out after about a year. So since then I've been here on my own and I just, I just really love it. You know, Mm -hmm. I do, I do really love it as an introvert as well. So I can basically just be in my own space and do things my way. Yeah. That works well for me. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. What does partnership look like then? Like I think a lot of people listening might be like, well, if she's not having sex with them Mm -hmm. and not living with them, like what, what does it mean to be partnered to someone?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we've been talking about, like, even terminology, because labels and words are quite challenging, aren't they? Like giving language to something that is just so uncommon, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for a, for a while, like a while ago, I was thinking about the term, like, queer platonic partner. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then I talked to my partner about it and they were like, I really like the term post-sexual. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like, cause it's not quite platonic. There's, there's more there, but also it is very unusual. You know, it's not like your regular conventional arrangement as such. Yeah. So yeah, it is, it is really tricky to find language for it. And I, I still really haven't figured it out. I like, the term you know post-sexual partner or relationship um yeah and we still spend like regular time together we enjoy things like food together we um yeah like creative like brainstorming you know there's all sorts of things that we we've got that we share still share you know that we shared from the start and that we still share and some not Mm -hmm. um also cats uh my partner has all the cats there's there's quite a few of them Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah and I like I have a very minimal place and I have no cats except my pushing on the sofa there (laughs) um yeah so so that's lovely really um yeah but it is a tricky thing to give language to so Mm -hmm. but I hope that makes some sense
0: yeah like in a typical week, how much would you hang out together? Or is there like any rhythms? How does that work? Well, there was, but now with
1: COVID, it's it's a bit different. Um, but what we used to do was I would spend one or two days at the weekends there, and they love to cook, so they would cook food, and we would enjoy food together and have nice wine and other drinks with it, while fighting off the cats, mostly, <laughs> And uh, and then we would also go out for dinner like during the week once, sometimes twice. Um, It varied. And um, yeah, that was that was really lovely, actually. So we'd get a bit of it was kind of a balanced a balanced way of doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. But we haven't obviously been able to go out for dinner much. We've tried to when the lockdown has lifted, you know, even Mm -hmm. briefly, we're like, let's go out for dinner, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. So things have had to change quite a bit, but, um, yeah, that was, that was a nice way to do things. That was Mm -hmm. good. Yeah.
0: And then when you say you you have added polyamory into it, like Mm -hmm. how, how does that look and, and what was that conversation like with your partner? Mm. Well, it's always been, um, yeah, it's kind of always been on the
1: table as such, because we talked about it from the start, basically, and we, in theory, for a good while, started kind of off as a having an open relationship, but neither of us really acted on it or did anything with it. And even when the, the sexual side between us kind of fizzled out, I suppose, it was very much a matter of let's just keep talking. It's not an issue right now. If it ever becomes an issue, then we can talk about it and see what, you know, how we're going to deal with it, basically. And I think for a while, I sort of just, I think, channeled that all that energy, like this, like sexual energy, creative energy, very sacral, isn't it? So if you're into chakras and stuff. Um, But I, I think I kind of just channeled that into different things. I just had like heightened creativity and all that I don't know that was just um it was not an issue I was not missing it for a while but then I also realized after a while that I just sort of that side of me sort of had gone dormant a little bit and I've maybe been denying it so I felt like I need to stop doing that basically I don't I'm I'm not saying like I need to go out and have sex with people it was more like there's this part of me that I'm not expressing or recognizing and i just need to let it be there and see what shape that takes you mm-hmm. know so yeah and um yeah so end of last near the end of last year i started seeing someone but that that is all very it's also like how do you how do you give language to it um mm-hmm. i call them i call them my squish because it's like i like the word squish uh, mm-hmm. officially it means a platonic crush Um, but it's got lots of layers to it and we're like, let's just see how this goes. And, um, yeah, so obviously they know my partner knows that, um, they know each other, but that's, that's kind of all there is to it. Um, there is to it doesn't sound great. You know, (laughs) that's, that's all there is to it. Probably
0: a lot. (laughs) There's there's, (laughs) there's a lot to it.
1: Yeah, there is, there is a lot to it. And I wouldn't even know how to find the words to really describe it all. But um, yeah, so it's very much an exploration, and I am learning so so much from all that. And I mean, I've I've gotten some books as well because like the whole thing, if you're if you're starting to open yourself to that route, you know, of going down the polyamory route, it's very much like okay, this is interesting, but how does this really work? You know, and what's going on? So I've got a few books. I've read one, not the other one yet. Um, and also it. It really is, it can be really confronting because it will bring up any relationship issues you have, um, how you're not communicating well, um, old conditioning, you know, all sorts of stuff, it will bring that up. So it was in ways really lovely to be seeing this person and at the same time, the whole dynamic of it was really, really triggering on so many levels. So I've had to really work through a lot of stuff. Um, I've got a therapist, so that's good. That's good mm-hmm. to have that support. And that's been really essential, to be mm-hmm. fair. And I've got other um, support in place. Like I've got some, I do energy work as well with people. and That's really good for me. Um, yeah. So it's it's been really enlightening, to be honest. And a lot of the, the things that, I mean, people have a lot of preconceived preconceptions and ideas about polyamory that that it's not basically but um, yeah I think especially if you look at something like okay what what would you consider polyamory 101 you could consider that relationship 101 because it's just about communicating being honest and you have to be honest about your own feelings as well first and foremost before you can communicate them to someone else Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and it will confront you with things. It will make you deal with things like jealousy and stuff. I mean, at the moment, obviously, my partner is asexual, so they're not seeing anyone else. Uh, And even if they were, it wouldn't be, you know, on on a physical level, probably. Um, My squish is also not seeing anyone else at the moment. Um, But if if either of them did at one point, I would have to learn to deal with that because I'm sure Mm -hmm. things like jealousy would come up. You know, there is stuff that will come up and you have to just deal with it as it as it occurs. But it's mm-hmm. definitely not because people think, oh, you know, it's just having your cake and eating it, you know, all that stuff, <laughs> which is a stupid expression. Because, like, yeah. why would you have cake and not eat it? OK,
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: that aside. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, people have all these ideas about it and they're mostly mostly wrong. So, um, yeah. Yeah it's it's very like a lot of it is really common sense and oh god when you start digging into it you're like yes of course this is the thing you know this is a thing this is how it works yes absolutely you know consent is a big thing communication and yeah wow but yeah mm, i think i went off on one there
0: (laughs) this episode was brought to you by centered life coaching And I've got a special new offering I'm excited to share with you. Does life feel a little bit crazy right now? There's a lot of hustle and bustle. There's a lot of noise. It's hard to hear yourself. I got you. Join me on the front porch, away from the hustle of life. Sit down. Take a breath. Share what's on your mind and heart. This is where you'll discover your true self. Come and hear yourself into being, you'll be astounded at what you notice. There's a link for the Front Porch sessions in the show notes, or you can sign up at centered.ca. I'm waiting on the Front Porch for you. Are you coming? Yeah, like I want to hear what's (laughs) one of the biggest things you've learned about yourself through all this. That
1: I had very, very conditioned ideas about relationships that basically were not working for me, nor for my relationships. Um, It's hindsight, isn't it? It's incredible. Um, Yeah, so quite dysfunctional, really, dysfunctional stuff, but that most people would consider normal. It's considered normal in our, you know, cishet patriarchal society, I suppose. But it's really like when you start looking at things for what they are, it's like, wow, this is really not working for me or like for a lot of people, I think. But they're just in that in that system, I suppose. Um, not saying that the this thing is is a bad thing. It's just it works for some people and that's brilliant. But I think if it doesn't work for you, you shouldn't be made to feel like there's something wrong with you. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's huge. Hmm to be able to confront things that you just were going along with because it was what you taught or is the only, only thing totally. you've seen in life and to yep. be able to paint outside the lines and, and be like, Oh, this is what actually I would like. And totally. Yeah. And it's really fun when you start doing that.
1: And it's also, it's also interesting because obviously not everyone's going to like seeing you do that. So mm-hmm. I, in all honesty, I have not really had any grief about it or anyone saying, I don't agree with your lifestyle, you know, anything (laughs) like that, but you know, there might be at some point, but yeah, but it is like just embracing who you are and doing things on your terms, just doing your thing your way, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Life's too short for anything else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm guessing like you didn't always live like that. not at all no what was life like before you started to open up all of those things
1: well I think it was a lot of like I said like uh trying to fit into these boxes I suppose of of like you know what you get taught by society and in school and from people close to you all the dynamics you know especially in relationships for example because I remember just being a kid growing up and looking at people having these, you know, normal quote unquote relationships. And I was just like, just looking at it thinking, really, is this, is this how it is meant to be? I just don't, I, it just never really was. I never really just got my head around it for some reason. And at the same time, it's kind of what is expected of you as well. And you're like, Hmm, not at all sure about that. And, um, Yeah. I mean, it took a while for me to even come across someone who was um, bisexual, for example, Uh, as I was growing up. I think in my teens, maybe I knew a few gay people, a few lesbians, but not a huge amount Mm -hmm. and not even rarer with the bisexuals. You know, I remember meeting a a bisexual woman once and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I must have been around about 20 or so, maybe. I'm not sure. And yeah but even then like i said that was very rare and i just kind of got on with it and you know fell in love with guys and for the most part and um yeah just got on with it and i think as i was in those relationships though there were always things that just did not work or did not work after a while you know so i always felt like i was the one growing and evolving and becoming more of me, and I felt like the other person a lot of the time was kind of being staying in one spot. So we always grew apart. That's mm. what I've always seen happen in relationships. Um. Yeah, and then I don't know. Yeah, I, I moved to the UK. I was born in the Netherlands. Uh, moved mm. to the UK. Just I think my 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 world has just sort of opened since then, really, and it's been like a very much a process um yeah
0: that that leads me to another question though of um, okay like that sense of growing apart Mm -hmm. like how with your current partner has that been able to be sustained because like they've gone through a lot of changes in your time together Mm -hmm. you've gone through a lot of changes like how have you been able to maintain that level of being there for each other being connected and letting the other grow and change so much
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think it is just, I think, realising. Hmm, how should I answer that? I think a lot of it is to do with Sometimes we focus too much on the relationship and maybe on the other person, especially from someone like myself, who was kind of raised a people pleaser, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, I think you have to sometimes what's been good for me is putting the attention back on me and what do I need? And also letting things be what they are. That's been a big theme for me recently. So I think we get conditioned with a lot of expectations of what relationships should be like. And I think when you start exploring, you know, quote unquote, alternative ones. I think you're confronted with all that stuff. And it's almost like, yeah, I don't need one person to be the be all and end all. And I'm getting this from this person. And our dynamic is like this. And that's really just letting things be enough. You know, obviously, if it's not enough for you, then it's not enough for you. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. but also i think it's a really fine balance like letting things be enough and also just being open to things evolving because we're always growing and changing so i think it's just being there for each other as that happens you know because like yeah like you say they've gone through a lot of changes and i have too in our own different ways so
0: mm. yeah that's really important to let things be as they are let them be mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. and also listen into yourself yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah because I think I have denied my own needs for a long time and I feel like it's one of the things that is that I'm working through in therapy is like you know I've been a people pleaser for so long I like I don't even know what my needs are sometimes Mm -hmm. and I have to really work at it and asking for what I need is really really difficult so I'm having to learn that now Mm -hmm. you know part of me is like oh my goodness how old are you (laughs) but you know better late than never right yeah sometimes we give ourselves a human thing yeah yeah it's true so yeah so being open to learning you know better skills better relationship skills just better communication all that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: well good on you for doing that learning because I think not not everyone wakes up to that even
1: no no it's not easy
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and then I'm curious to hear about your podcast. Like you and mm-hmm. I both started our podcast around the same time. I think that's how yeah. we started connecting, which is really that's fun. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've done so much learning through your podcast, 50 Shades of Gender, which is mm. so cool. All the interviews that you've been doing with people around gender.
1: Yeah, that's been amazing, actually. It's it's very much part of my personal journey as well, I find. Cause in a way, it's the first thing I think I've ever done that just came from a place inside me, you know, and not like maybe from the mind. It's like, you you know, your rational thinking, like having a job or a career or anything like that. Because I'm a designer by profession. But this podcast, it just, it kind of started with a book idea years ago, which was a brainstorm between me and my partner, actually. And it was like, why don't we put a book together about 50 stories of local gender diverse people, which was when the whole Fifty Shades of Grey was a thing. And it kind of got shelved. And then it started popping into my head again, the idea of it a couple of years ago. And I thought, let's just have a conversation with someone. So I had a conversation with a friend. Like I said, I've met lots of local, local and not so local, like gender diverse people. So I said to a friend, do you want to just sit down, and have a chat with me and we record it and then maybe I can have it transcribed and then I'll have a chapter of the book. And then I've got one chapter, only 49 to go. You know, mm-hmm. but I was like, try not to think that far ahead. So we recorded it and it was good. And then I thought, well, why don't I use the audio for something rather than just have it sit there and be transcribed? So then I thought, oh, podcast, because I've been wanting to do a podcast. I just didn't know about what doing it about design didn't feel all that inspiring to me. Yeah. But when the idea for the, you know, for this for the gender uh, project came about, I thought this is perfect, really. And then the podcast also can be about anyone from anywhere, whereas the book is still in the pipeline, and I do want that to be about local, like a local project. Um. Yeah, and it's been. It's like this, I have birthed this thing, this idea, but at the same time, it's birthing me as well. And it's very much a real sort of flow of that. And it's taught me about myself. It's taught me about other people. It's taught me humility. That was a big thing. It's also made me more open to just being willing to be wrong and say something rather than saying nothing for worry of saying the wrong thing. Cause I think mm-hmm. for a long time I was like that, but now I'm like, okay, I'm just going to say this thing and it's probably wrong and I'm probably going to be sorry, but I'm going to say it and I'll see what comes out of it. You know, like sometimes when I ask questions, like the current episode I'm editing, I just remember having this conversation with this person. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I saying? This is probably all wrong. And I just <laughs> felt so self-conscious. And afterwards I was even like, I don't even know if I can use it. I don't know if I can air this. I'm just like, no, but then when I listened to it a few days later, I was like, it's not so bad. Just right. get on with it. And it's it's also about not censoring that, you know, and I had to, you know, I used the term and it was the wrong term. And they said, don't use that term. And I'm like, OK, I won't use it again. Thank you for educating me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, that was fine, you know. Well,
0: and you're educating your listeners because many of us have probably exactly. had the same slip up.
1: Yep, totally. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I get stuff wrong all the time now, but I'm, I'm OK with that.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh. So that's a big, that's a big one. And there's uh, so much to it, really. It's, um, yeah, it's bringing out parts of me that I didn't even know were in there, really. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. Like what? Hmm. I think just putting my voice out there, because I think there is a lot of negative self-talk that we all have. And it's kind of about becoming aware of that and doing it anyway. You know, and I can even imagine, I mean, I've not had any criticism about it, really, but I think if I did get criticism about it, I would be quite okay with that, because it'd be like, you know what, that's nothing I haven't said to myself. (laughs) I doubt anyone can come up with anything I haven't already said to myself, Mm -hmm. and that I've obviously ignored because I'm doing it anyway. Mm So,
0: yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at you, just stepping into yourself, right, left and center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's That's really awesome. great. Yeah. Do you feel like you have any new coming outs on the horizon that you want to share with us? New coming
1: outs. Well, the thing is, the more I've been learning about gender, the more I've been questioning gender, not necessarily my gender, but like gender as a concept and a construct. And it is like, the more I learn about it, the less I can make sense of it, the more questions Mm. I have. So um, I've been playing with labels myself, not to make light of it or anything, because it it is kind of a serious thing as well, obviously. Um, But for me, I've, I've just adopted the term cis queer, which I really quite like. And for me, it means like, okay, I'm cis, but queer. Or like I am, there are a few theories I had around that and I'm not sure what they are. Um, I just thought about them earlier. It's almost like, it's not an apology as such. (laughs) Sorry, I'm cis, but I am queer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, because the thing is you can queer all sorts of things. So I feel like I'm queering cis Hmm.
0: because
1: I'm not typically, I I like to call myself generally non-conforming, rather than gender non-conforming because I mean I'm okay with my biology my my you know sex and my gender I guess line up but I think a lot of that has to do with how I was brought up and how I was conditioned Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: it is such a fluid thing and I do feel like a lot of the people that I know a lot of my friends who are gender non-conforming they feel like you know they're my people I'm like yeah they're my people Mm-hmm. so i don't know where this is going to take me um cis queer is a good one at this time um i don't know if i would at some point end up with a label like non-binary i don't know part of me is almost feeling like am i non? would i be non-binary enough for that to even right. you know be allowed to use that label quote unquote which is a bit of a weird one but still right. um yeah so i don't know uh, where that goes but I look forward to learning more and more about the subject and about myself, you know. Because in the end, I think it's just all about identity, and like gender is a facet of identity, just like sexuality is, and you know everything else really that makes Mm up us as humans. So, I
0: remember you saying on your podcast at one point that you you might want to try drag sometime.
1: Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah, be a fun way to just explore. Yeah. Embodying something else.
1: Totally. And I think everyone should do stuff like that, to be fair, Mm. just to see what it's like, just to, you know, see what that feels like. Totally. If I I ever do, I'll let you know.
0: (laughs) Please do. Send me a picture or video. I will do. (laughs) Uh, On Zoom, there's a new feature where you can add facial hair or different things to yourself just on the camera. And I did it the other day and took a picture of myself with kind of like this little mustache and shadow on my my chin and I sent it to my wife and she's like "Ooh, hot I like, <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh that's great I'll have to try that out yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. fun to play around <laughs> yeah I think that you're right like yes gender is so much about our identity but also it's not even a real thing in some ways and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the more I've been exploring I explored a talk the other day on reincarnation and mm. how like a soul could be a young girl in this life right now but she in a past life was an older man and mm. that makes me think like our souls don't necessarily have gender no and so it, like makes it so much easier to just be more to totally. in it at all
1: yeah yeah totally yeah I agree
0: Mm. such a big world so many things to ponder absolutely (laughs) I might just be outing myself in another coming out (laughs) (laughs) myself I believe in reincarnation (laughs) that's fair yeah 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 there's there's just always new layers of things to explore in this life and yeah I like that we're both lifelong learners
1: love it yes yeah Mm -hmm. it's one of the fun things that makes life worth living I think yeah otherwise it would be a bit boring wouldn't it if we didn't yeah. learn stuff all the time yeah totally. yeah
0: well thank you for sharing so many of your coming out stories with us today esther
1: thanks for having me <laughs> that was fun
0: thanks for listening to the coming out chronicles if you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else please share it with them If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.